Hello, everyone. Welcome to Stand to Reason. I am Robbie Lashawa, and I am here with a cadre. I like that word, cadre. I like that, too. Of my favorite apologist in the world. Greg is not here this week, mm-hmm. but with me today, I have the amazing Tim Barnett. I have the illustrious John Noyes, and I have the amazing Amy Hall with me today. So welcome, guys. This is going to be a fun show. Robbie, thanks for having us on the show. Well, thanks for letting me. This is great. (laughs) I'm glad to be here with you guys. How are you doing, John? (laughs) John's doing doing great. Yeah. How are you, Amy? (laughs) Hey, this is going to be fun. We'll see how it goes with all of us in different places. Yeah, this is this is a different this is a different kind of show, isn't it? It is. It's a round table of discussion. Yeah. And uh, today we're going to be talking about tips for apologists, things we think are important for yeah. apologists to consider mm-hmm. and to think through as they're going out and sharing the Lord and sharing mm-hmm. truth with people in That's their right. communities. So yeah. I, I'm excited about that. Yeah, this is a really practical uh, episode for us. We want to talk about um, real hands-on tips for the the person in the pew who is engaging unbelievers, making a defense for the Christian faith, we want to give you something tangible that you can walk away from. Yep, I'm that's excited. right. Cool. I'm excited too. I'm excited yeah. too. Well, let's let's dive into it. You know, yeah. all of us have made um, huge mistakes as apologists. All of us have talked with people and we, we think about what we've done in the past that didn't work so well. And sure. we've learned from that. We've also had a lot of opportunities to do well at speaking with other people mm-hmm. and, and sharing the truth. And so let's just dive in yeah. and talk a little bit about that. Amy and John, what are, what are some, let's, let's share this. What are some things that you've learned from past mistakes mm. when talking with people about apologetics issues that you've, uh, you've learned from and you've changed in your approach? Yeah. Amy, you can go first. <laughs> yeah, ladies first. <laughs> yeah, ladies mistakes. first. That's right. Yeah. Well, you might not have made any mistakes, um, Amy. Past but... mistakes. Well, Amy's Amy's as as many no, many I... will know is flawless. Yeah, true. <laughs> flawless. Yeah. <laughs> Mistakeless. Um, one thing I think is sometimes hard to figure out is mm. when to stop. Um, mm. when do you? continue to try to have a conversation and when do you let it go? Mm. How do you discern from the way the person is responding whether or not you should end the conversation? So what mm. are you, what are your thoughts on that, guys? Yeah, that's I mean I, it, go ahead, John. You know, I, I I would agree. Actually it's funny, I was thinking of a very similar thing. <clears throat> uh kind of when when I was a, when I became a new Christian, I, I when I got saved uh, apologetics played a very important role in that process. So, like right away, I was building up an arsenal uh, of apologetics arguments and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then the way I presented them, though, to people, like I think back at the way that I spoke to people, um, I, it was not with a gentle spirit. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, it was like I was a I was a dog with a bone. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wouldn't let go of it. I remember one time I had my, my mom over my house. I'm in Southern California. My, I grew up in Massachusetts and my mom, she was sitting in the chair and we're talking. She's a relativist. So I'm offering her all the arguments against relativism. I'm showing her that's false. And she, she paused me. She said, you know what, John, this is my mom. She says, what you're saying might be true, but how you're saying it is awful. Wow. And yeah. And I remember thinking, Ouch. 
like that hurts so bad because I just wouldn't let it go. Kind of like what you were saying, Amy. I, I just wouldn't let the issue go. Yeah. And, uh, and part of it's like right motivation, right? I want to see her come to know Jesus, but without, without cultivating a gentle spirit and learning how to communicate these truths, oftentimes I feel like apologetics can be uh, a misappropriated weapon. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well one of the ways I, one of the reasons why I think this happens is that we, we start to feel like we have to defend our own name. So there's, there's kind of a, a pride where we have to make sure mm. they know that we're right, or we have to make sure we sound right. Yeah. And so there's a, there's a sense where we feel like I have to defend my own name. And I think that was a huge thing I learned is that I'm not there to defend my name. Mm-hmm. If I, if I end up looking stupid, that's okay. <laughs> I'm only there to, to defend Christ's name. And so if, if you lose that desire to make sure you end up on top of the conversation and you end up looking good. That made a huge difference Hmm. to me when I started thinking of it that way. Now that's a good point, Amy. And it's interesting how scripture talks about, you know, um, you know, the world will look at us as weird and a peculiar people and the Mm -hmm. foolishness of the world, the foolish things to shame the wise and all of that. And I feel the same way as you is like, I want people to know, no, like I've thought through this, like this isn't a crazy idea. Mm -hmm. And when people look at you sideways, it's a little hard to let it go. Right. Because you want to justify your reasoning and yourself versus just presenting who the Lord is and what scripture says. Um, Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. And Amy, when you started, the first thing that came to mind uh, was um, always wanting to have the last word, Mm. right? And that is, I think that's maybe a human thing. We all kind of want to have the, our last, the last word or our, our say at the end. And so if someone says something, no, I need to, I need to respond to that before we end this thing. And one of the things, I don't know if I learned it from Greg, um, or it's in the book Tactics, but that idea where if you, if you want to kind of end the discussion, you even, even tell the person real practically, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you the last word on this and then we can, we can move on, mm. you know, and maybe we'll, maybe we'll pick this conversation up another time or whatever, but you have the last word. And I think this is great for not just in in person, face to face discussions, but I I have found this invaluable for like online discussions. Oh yeah, because those things go on forever. Yeah. <laughs> because the person you're not face to face, so I might comment or I might say something, and then the person isn't there, and so you know later that day they post, and then okay, then I'm going to post, and it just goes back and forth, right? And how does this thing ever end? And one of the, one of the, um, things that's been helpful for me is just to say, look, uh, we, we've gone kind of round on this and I think I'd understand what you believe. I think you understand what I believe. I'm just going to give you the last word on this and then hear from them. And then that's, that's it, you know? Um, so that, that might be a helpful kind of, uh, place to go on this. That's one. A, such a good tip, but it, it just goes against my nature because I want to win, right? I think that's a, an aspect of this too, is like yeah. I want to win the argument. Sure. And, and and I think all of us want to want to have people come to know Jesus. Yeah. And so there, there's sometimes like this like used car salesman, like I gotta close the deal thing. And uh, I, I remember I was at, I'll never forget I was at an apologetics conference years ago and I'm sitting there and Greg did his talk on gardening, mm-hmm. right? Versus harvesting. Yeah. And I'm not kidding you. It was like a weight lifted off my shoulders that my job's not to close the deal every single time I'm sharing with somebody. But my job is to put a stone in the shoe, 
to plant a seed and to, and mm-hmm. the, the truth of it comes down to, and to trust God with that because he'll bring along other people into their life. And I'm not the savior and I'm not the only one who's going to talk with this person. And so that, um, that teaching really transformed mm-hmm. even my mentality going into these discussions yeah. with people. That's good. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. You know, uh, and when I'm, when I'm teaching, especially when I'm teaching like college or high school age students, um, sometimes you can see the reaction on people's faces. I, I remember I was at the master's uh, seminary, actually teaching with Greg. Greg was teaching tactics, and they gave me like 10 minutes just to share my my story in front of the whole university was there. And afterwards, I was talking to the students. I could see weights lifted off of them mm. when I was explaining, like, you can't save anybody. Like, it's not up to you. So if, if, if we're offering advice to, to people who are apologists, budding apologists or whatnot, you know, one of the pieces of advice is to, to like, you know, be in your proper place and put Christ in his pop, uh, proper place. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Christ is, is, is Lord of all. Christ is Savior of all. And, uh, and let him do the work. All we got to do is plant a few seeds, like what Greg says, right? We've all been influenced so much by Greg. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, put a stone in somebody's shoe. So when they walk away, they're they're limping a little bit and, and annoyed in a good way. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, I, I think that's important to remember, because sometimes we get so angsty, like, oh, I just want them to get saved. Like, I just want them. Maybe if I say the right thing, they'll get saved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's 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 not up to you or I. Right. We don't resurrect anything. Only Christ does. Yeah. Well, with that pressure to win. So what would right. You- or, or with that idea of how we um, want to close the deal. Have you guys ever been in a situation? Because I know I have. And it's just transparency. Mm. Have you ever been in a situation where you're you're so in the. I'm I'm arguing and I'm making my points, and then you start realizing you don't know what you're talking about, and you say some things that you're like that might not even be true, and now you have to like go back, but you're defensive. Has sure. that ever happened to you guys? Sure. Like I remember when I was younger, especially you know, like in in high school and stuff. It would just I would argue and I'd win and I'd want to win and I'd say things and then later I'd be like I don't even know if that's a real thing. I don't know if that's a real point. <laughs> Wow. Nobody else? That's no, no, great. no. Okay, that, cool. No, that, that is something. And, and this does raise another point, As, especially when you're talking with people in uh, Gen Z or millennials who really appreciate authenticity. Mm-hmm. Like, don't try to fake it till you make it. You yep. know, that kind of thing. Yep. So there's this. So there. So there's some real advice here where if you don't know the answer, um, it, that's OK. I think we get in our minds that if you're the apologist, then you have to have all the answers mm. and look yeah. at if Greg was, I mean, this is Greg's seat, right. That I'm sitting in and we feel like he's, he's got a lot of answers and he would be the first one to tell you, he doesn't know it all, you know um, he's still figuring things out. So um, I think that just that honesty with people goes a long way. And I think when you admit that, Hey, I don't know the answer to that that person who you're talking to is now more willing to listen to you mm-hmm. because they know you're not just going to make something up. They know you're not just going to, um, you know, you're, you want to, you want to tell them the truth, what's truthful. And, uh, and so that, that, I think there's a, there's a good lesson. Yeah. There. Saying, I don't know, build your credibility, but yeah. it also gives you an opportunity to talk with them again. Cause you yeah. say, you know, I don't know about that. Let me look into it. Yeah, that's right. And then, Hey, let's hang out again. Let's grab coffee. And then mm-hmm. let's discuss it some more. I wish I would have done that a lot more when I was younger. Yeah, Amy, you wanted to jump in. I thought just before, maybe before well, Robbie was... went off. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't I don't remember what brought this to mind, but uh, if we're talking specifically about people who are annoying or people who are maybe causing more problems, because a lot of conversations you have are are pretty normal conversations, but then there are the people who are uncivil or mm. rude or whatever. And the thing that I've found is that um, we need to have a commitment to human dignity mm. as oh, we yeah. are talking to people so good, and to treat them with dignity. And also no matter what happens, not mock them and not mock them even behind their backs. Yes. We need to really um, uphold that human dignity no matter what happens. And that's not easy to do. And that's kind of a discipline that I think people need to. And, and one of the things I think the reason for this, the biggest reason for this is that our whole goal in this enterprise is to show people who Christ is. And they are learning that from how we act. Yes. Peter talks about how we're supposed to respond to people the way Jesus responded to people by not reviling in return mm-hmm. and not, um, I can't remember the verse off the top of my head right now, but you're not supposed to revile in return. You're not supposed to respond in kind because that's how Jesus responded. Mm -hmm. And so when we respond that way, we are actually making an an apologetic for the gospel. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. That's why we're there in the first place. So it doesn't make sense to kind of, uh, let that go in order to make some lesser point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. make sense. If our highest goal is to show people who Christ is, we need to treat people the way he did when he was harassed and hated. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think that's so good. Sorry, Tim, you can go. Well, I was just going to say that what, what, what came to mind when, when Amy was, when saying that was uh, Francis Schaeffer's final apologetic, right? So Francis Schaeffer, he's of course known for giving, arguments and evidence for the truthfulness of Christianity. And yet um, uh, I'm trying to think of the, which book at the end there, he, he makes what he calls our final apologetic. And that is how we live and how we love others. Mm-hmm. And so people may not hear the argument. It may not register for them. It may not persuade them, but our lives and how we, how we live um, is an apologetic in itself it's, uh, you know, some have called it like, you know, a fifth gospel. People are watching mm-hmm. you and they're, and it's, are they going to see Christ? Are you imitating? Are you modeling Christ? That's really good. And the important Amy, thing I is, love... it's not, oh, sorry. I'm sorry, John. Let me just get this last oh. point in. It's not just, because I don't want people to miss this. It's not just that we're supposed to be nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That it's in some general way. We're talking about specifically showing the characteristics of Christ that show grace, that show self-sacrificial love, that are the highest glories of Christ that we are showing through our Mm. behavior. So it's not just like, I'm just going to be a nice guy and not be mean to people. No, there's actually a really important specific reason for doing this. Mm. And not, not like, I like that you finished, you kind of summed it up with that, Amy, because you know, we, we do this, but we don't do it at the expense of truth. Right. So truth is, is in my, in my estimation, the, the highest kind of ideal, the yeah. ethic of truth is, is really, really important. So we're nice, but like, I mean, throughout scripture, I mean, obviously model Christ and, mm-hmm. and how many times was he, uh, maybe, maybe in this culture, he certainly wouldn't be labeled a nice guy in certain responses, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, you know, when you were, when you were talking about, uh, kind of, uh, the, 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 the applying to people the dignity, 
that uh, that they're that they're, they're due um, every morning when I wake up. I, I say like the same short little prayer as I get up out of bed. I put my feet on the ground. You know, I'm sitting there. My kids are usually like jumping all over us, like because <laughs> I've got a bunch of little kids, and um, and and I pray. I say, Lord God, this is like almost verbatim. Lord God, this is your day that you've made special and unique. It's yours. Thank you for letting me be part of it. Use me for your glory in it. And then my what I what I say next is allow me the opportunity to see people as you see them. Mm. Just for today, so good. Allow yeah. me the opportunity to see people as you see them. And I find that that really helps me when I'm speaking to to, to people. I'm trying to look past their like like their demeanor, past their their even if they're rude or whatnot. You know. Uh, and, and and see them for who they are, and then that is made in the image of God of infinite value and worth, and and worthy of dignity for no other reason other than that. And um and I find it I find it really helpful. You know, when I first started dating uh, my wife, she's gonna kill me for sharing this, but I'm I'm okay <laughs> with that. It was uh she used to love Black Friday shopping. Mm. You guys know that oh, like, yeah, the yeah. early Thanksgiving, in the morning. Yeah. Dude, she would <laughs> she would wake me up at like we weren't married yet, we were just dating, so she'd like call me at like two o'clock in the morning and like we got to meet at target in you know 45 minutes like, what are you talking about so we had to stand in line for target to open at three or whatever and uh and we do that and when she got her shopping cart that first year i saw something i've never seen in her she's like little you guys know her she's little mm-hmm. and she was like ramming like old ladies with her shopping cart you know to to uh to, to save you know ten dollars on a mixer you know yeah or, or or something i forget what it was that she wanted i remember standing there thinking my goodness, you know, and that's a good illustration. <laughs> Sometimes we forget in the hustle and bustle of life. Yeah. We forget who people really are. Mm. And in the context of apologetics and, and what we do for a living, sometimes it's easy for us to to lose the humanity mm. of people in the arguments uh, that, that we're presenting. And I think that this is a really, a really important point. I'm glad that we're talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, I I think this is this is good. And one of the things that's helped me a lot, like you guys are saying, is realizing that people aren't our enemy. Because I think it's so easy to vilify this group, that group, this ideology, mm-hmm. that ideology. And um, where Scripture talks about, we're we're not fighting against flesh and blood, right? But we're we're fighting against lies and mm-hmm. false ideas, and yeah. people are victims of believing lies. Yeah, and that's one of these things that that's helped me be kinder to people like Amy, you were saying, and be, be respectful of their God image, right? And, and, and being made in God's image is just um, realizing they're not the enemy. Lies are the enemy. They're, they're a victim of yeah. these false ideologies. Um, and that's, that's not easy to do because our, our culture is always pushing people to vilify this group or that group or which side are you on? And as Christians, yeah. the Lord tells us, no, um, you're all important and special and, and beautiful yeah. to me. And uh, that's how, as Christians, we're supposed to treat people. So much to the point yeah. where this guy tells us, love our enemies. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's... Uh, <laughs> this guy? Man, yeah, yeah. Jesus tells us to love our enemies. That's a, <laughs> that is such a crazy idea mm-hmm. from a worldly perspective. Mm-hmm. But 
from from God's perspective, it makes total sense if every human being is made in His image and has value and worth. Well, guys, this is a good conversation. Um, let's let's pause a little bit. Let's take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back and and uh, discuss you know tactics that the world uses to push their agenda versus um, what God's Word says on how we're supposed to uh, talk with people about truth and to push God's agenda into it. So this is Stand a Reason, and we will be back after this commercial break. Friends, if you like this broadcast, I know you'll love Hashtag STRask. It's our shorter 20-minute podcast where I am paired with the wonderful Amy Hall, and together we answer the questions you send us on Twitter. Hashtag STRask is released twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays, and it's only about 20 minutes long, so it's perfect to listen to on your morning jog or while driving around running errands or cleaning your garage or just plain loafing at home. Amy and I tackle your questions on theology and ethics and culture and lots more, offering our insight on the questions you're asking or the challenges you face. You can listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your own shows. Just remember, send us your questions on Twitter using the name of the podcast, hashtag STRask. That's hashtag STRask. Have you ever wondered how Stand to Reason is able to produce fresh, accessible content each week? We rely on generous donors so that we can provide you with the tools and tactics you need to be an effective ambassador for Christ. If you've benefited from this podcast or any of our donor-provided resources, including our apps, blog posts, articles, and short videos, consider making a financial contribution to Stand to Reason today. Just visit str.org donate to show your financial support. It has been an honor providing you with a host of free resources for more than 27 years to help you give voice to the Christian worldview. Help us continue by making a financial gift today at str.org donate. Friends, welcome back to Stand to Reason. I'm Robbie Lashua, and I'm here with Tim Barnett and John Noyes and Amy Hall. We're filling in for Greg Kokel. And we've been talking about tips for uh, apologists. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we talked about a couple of cool things last segment, yeah. uh, saying, you know what, I don't know <laughs> when you don't know something, right? Uh, Amy talked about uh, commitment to human dignity, yeah. remembering that you're talking with an image bearer of God and not just trying to win an argument. Uh, Tim, you shared about always not having to have the last word, mm-hmm. but maybe a way to dignify someone is allowing them That's right. to have the last word. And then we talked about how people aren't our enemy, but false ideologies are. Um, let's continue talking a, a little bit about uh, mistakes that we've made. Tim, you, were, you yeah. were telling me you've made plenty of mistakes. Where do I past. even begin? You know, um, <laughs> and, and that's, uh, it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's one of the things that I wish, I, I wish I could just be a 60 year veteran apologist, you know, and just kind of have all that experience under my belt. But mm-hmm. it's, this is not the kind of thing that works that way. It's the kind of thing that you learn and grow over time. You make mistakes, you, uh, you know, have to apologize and ask for forgiveness and come back. And sometimes you make those mistakes over and over again. I know for me, one of the things um, that has been kind of a struggle and that I think I've, I've grown a lot in over the last number of years is, is being a better uh, listener 
um, trying to understand where the the questioner, where the person is coming from. Mm. Um, I'm reminded in Colossians uh, chapter four, verses five and six, it says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. And then it says, so that you will know how to, that how you ought to answer each person, mm. not each question, um, and because, you know, we can, we can go to, you know, the internet and find out all the, or the book, the books that we own and find out all the answers to the questions. But when we're talking with people, we're not talking to a question. We're talking to a person mm. who has all kinds of experiences and all kinds of, um, um, feelings and emotions and, and all those things that need to be taken into account. And so when, when I'm talking with someone say about the problem of evil, I, I could, I could launch into, you know, here's my four part response, you know, that I would give in a talk or something like that. And I, I know a lot of apologists who, who would do that because that's what you were trained to do. That's what you heard in a talk. And so that's the information you want to present to someone. And you know what, there may be a time and place for that, mm. but oftentimes we need to stop and just maybe listen to where the person is coming from. Why yeah. are they asking that question? I think I heard Sean McDowell say that when someone asks about the problem of evil, his first question is, well, how has evil impacted your life? How are you suffering? And that just, I mean, because if the person say has just been diagnosed with cancer or something, then obviously giving some kind of intellectual response is going to like totally miss the mm. mark. Yeah. Right. Could be pretty, could be unloving. It could, it, 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 absolutely. It could come across <laughs> as unloving. Wow. I talked to this Christian. They were so cold. They told me, you know, this, uh, Bible verse or whatever that just, it totally missed the mark. What I wanted was that Christian to sit with me mm. and listen and maybe, you know, wrap their arms around me as I cry or something like that, yeah. you know? So tr kind of knowing your audience and, and the lay of the land. And, and that involves um, listening. Uh, I think we need to do better at apologetically listening. And actually, when um, I, I give a, a sermon on Acts 17, and one of the things that stands out to me when Paul kind of enters Athens, he sees, he's just looking around. He must be listening to what's going on. Who are they? What are they worshiping? And he, he's able to he's able to see that, Hey, these guys have all these gods and there's, a, there's an unknown God. And it, all that happens because he's got his ear to the ground. He's listening and, and he's able to respond accordingly. Hmm. And so I just, I, man, I hope I keep growing in my own marriage, but you know, personally, and then of course in my, in my profession and, and apologetically just being a better listener. Yeah. No, that's good. I, I think too, like sometimes I, because apologetics, like all of us love it. Like that's why we do this, right? Like mm -hmm. we we like thinking about these things. We like searching for answers. Yeah. But sometimes I fall into the trap of just thinking humans are logic machines. Uh, and yeah. if I just plug in the right data, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna get it. That's and right. we're just so much more complex than that. Mm -hmm. And so I, I like that, Tim. Remembering that it's a person it, that we're responding to, not a question. Yeah, that we're responding to. That's that's good. Well, hey guys, what what do you think about this idea? Um, <clears throat> Because, uh, John, I'm especially interested in your response to this because you were an atheist and you were a lawyer, which, you know, those go together. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool perspective to come at things from because you were arguing for things 
and trying to persuade people to things uh, from an atheist worldview. And I, um, I see all the time the world has their tactics for um, – manipulating or for getting people to side with their agendas or their causes. Mm. And sometimes I look at these things and I say, as a Christian, like I can't do that tactic like that, that methodology is not mm. open to me. And so I'd like to kind of open it up and talk about what, what we observe in culture and what we see other people do to convince and persuade versus mm. what and who we're supposed to be as Christians to convince and persuade people. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. One point of clarification is I wasn't a lawyer. I was a paralegal. Oh, you got, you got a paralegal. promotion that's there, right, John. Right, you got a right. promotion. <laughs> I, got, I don't know if it's a promotion or a devotion. Okay. But, but I got a, yes, yes. Paralegal, my like, mistake. I, I did. I, I mean, I, I, I worked in the legal field for, for a very long time, um, as, and I was an atheist for most of that time. And it is interesting the way that the world kind of – the way the world kind of argues. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, – uh, I don't know if you guys have been tracking with uh, kind of a, an event that's happening that the, uh, the Stanford University published uh, a list of harmful words oh, that, yeah. they, that they would like to write removed from the vernacular, the mm-hmm. cultural vernacular. And um, and this is one way that I feel like uh, the, the, uh, where I'm seeing the way the culture is kind of arguing where what they're doing is they're they're tying they, they tie to these words in particular here, but it's a larger issue. They, they tie a, a moral oughtness to what they're saying. They, they say like, if you, so if you use the term uh, uh, slave drive, that's one of the terms on the list, mm-hmm. slave drive, an IT term, right? Uh, if you use that term, it, it, it's off-putting and it's, it, it, it's harmful in many ways. And then what happens is, is if I come to somebody and I say, well, I think that we should use, I, I think using the term slave drive, it's fine. It's been called a slave drive since its inception. That's what it is. It's a slave drive. All of a sudden, I start getting labeled, right? Hateful, mm. bigoted, racist, and uh, and stuff like this. And I think that's one way that the kind of the, the culture, the world out there, is kind of um, trying to control their and, and rewrite the narrative. The cultural narrative is through shame. And uh, and 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 labeling people as as hateful because I disagree, and that's one way I don't think as Christians that that option's open to us. Yes, and it can be really appealing, right? Uh, Tim, this is like this has to be incredibly difficult for you with Red Pen Logic, because you watch some of these videos and they're like the atheist videos or or people who are against Christianity and whatnot, and they're really pithy, mm. and they're really clever, mm. and they're funny sometimes. But some of the ways that they approach the subject matter and specifically the people behind the subject matter aren't really open to us as Christians. Like mm-hmm. we can't shame people or, or, or belittle people or make them less thans. Um, it's just not part of our, I guess it's just not part of our, our, our toolbox. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, Tim? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I, I, that is a struggle I have when I watch these videos or these graphics and um, you, you want to kind of um, respond tit for tat right? Sure. Um, hey, you're going to, you're going to give this, you know, um, poke in the eye. I'm going to poke you in the eye right back, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah. that early on, and Amy can attest to this because Amy usually, you know, looks over all the red pen stuff and, and um, make sure that we're not being aggressive in that way. And we're not insulting in that way. And we're not 
you know, sometimes my sarcasm, I think slips, slips in. Um, it is my love language. So, um, <laughs> but I, again, we're trying to, we're trying to kind of sanitize that out of there so that the argument doesn't get lost. You know what? I could make a video where I just mock and ridicule, and it may come across to our world as very persuasive because we think with our feelings, you know, we don't like, we're not using our minds. We're using our hearts instead, and that can lead people astray. And so I could convince a whole bunch of Christians to side with me because I've just completely, you know, dunked on this, this atheist rather than responding to the arguments themselves. And so we, but we don't do that. We're, I mean, we're doing our best and I, I wish you could kind of walk with me through the process because, you know, you watch a video and you're thinking, oh my, I, what do I, where do I even begin? Mm. You know, and here's what I, here's what I'm feeling, but I can't say that, you know, I need, I want some substance here. I want to be persuasive and, and rely on, you know, rational argumentation. And so, and that's, that's what we try to do. And sometimes we miss the mark, but most of the time we, we stay pretty close to that. So totally get what you, you mean, John. Um, it's interesting. Uh, Doug Groteis, a philosopher, he, uh, he posted recently that he's actually written, a, a an article and I think a talk as well on using mockery in apologetics. And I just like, I am totally fascinated to, you know, I I'm interested to read that and what he, what he says there. Um, but as it is right now, I just don't think that's, that's, um, usually an appropriate response. We don't, we don't take that approach. They might, and they might have a whole audience that thinks that's, Oh, wow. Look at so-and-so owned Mm so-and-so, you know, the headlines on, on, YouTube videos, right. To grab attention. Everyone wants to see someone get totally owned, you know? Um, but we don't want to own people. We want to respond to the, to the arguments. Yeah. I think that's great because it it comes down to it's, it's an ad hominem attack, right? Mm -hmm. It's a slander. It's a making fun of, it's a shaming. And I think that as Christians, um, we are not like going back to Amy's point. We're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to commit to human dignity mm. and to help people be built up. But it's a, it's it's such a um, it's so alluring because you can get more likes you on YouTube. Right? You can get people to agree with you and think that you are wittier. But it's it's just rhetoric and, it, and yeah. it's empty and it's hollow. And we need to do better than that. Amy, what were you going to say? The the pattern in the culture is to be willing to kind of fudge on the truth a little bit Mm. for the sake of a higher goal. That's kind of the way our culture works. The truth is kind of the lesser goal. And if it helps you get what your agenda Mm. wants, then it's great. You can use it. If it doesn't, then you kind of adjust it a little bit. This is where we have to really fight what the culture is teaching us. The truth has to be the highest thing. There is no adjusting the truth for a higher goal because if God is truth, we can't fudge on the truth. Mm-hmm. So when the temptation comes, I think this part, part of this comes back to what you were saying about trusting God, Robbie earlier. What we need to do is realize that we're not going to persuade everyone. And so we can't sacrifice other things for that sake. Hmm. We need to put truth in its proper place. Mm -hmm. And one thing that really helps with that is to have the goal be clarity. So your goal is to make your position as clear as possible. If they can understand, or at least if you've expressed it clearly, 
then you have succeeded in speaking the truth. And there's value in that, even if they aren't persuaded, because mm-hmm. we are glorifying God every time we speak the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that's, this is all like a really good discussion. You know, the, the, how truth is prominence. And we, in the process, like we, we have to view, like it goes back to, in my opinion, the viewing people appropriately. Right. Um, we, we have to first defend truth. Right. So we always defend truth. We speak our message clearly, um, you know, and and the words that we use will sometimes be offensive. I mean, Greg always says that the gospel is offensive enough. There's no need to add any offense to it. Yeah. Right. I love that saying, you know, but we need to remain resolute even in the face of offense. And and but in the same time, we don't we don't have license as Christians to be. Uh, unloving, nasty. We don't have a uh, license to be, be mean spirited. Um, but we also, I think it, it, this is as an apologist, this is a, for me, at least it feels like kind of a tightrope that we have to walk because we also can't give in to the cultural pressures uh, to compromise our message in any mm-hmm. way. Uh, we have to stay salty, you know, and, <laughs> and, you know, and in the process, like this is, this is why I think it's important to view. This is why they co- uh, like bringing it back kind of the very beginning, Amy, what you said, about viewing people, if you view people appropriately, it helps you remain level-headed uh, in all circumstances. It helps you understand that the the world around us is going to be illogical. It's going to be uh, irrational. It's going to be sometimes, guys. It's going to be the the people around us that are in the world are going to be incapable of having civil discourse. Yeah, like it's it, it's just not part. It's not part of who they are because they're they're living in darkness. You know, so so they're they're wandering around in darkness. Of course, they're going to start bumping into things. And I think when we view people like that. It really helps us. I'm not saying we pity people, but it helps us view uh, people in 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 that light, and uh, and then it allows us to defend truth in a way that's that's loving and compassionate. You know, and yeah. and I mean, uh, Paul, I think it's Second Timothy somewhere that Paul says uh, that we we correct people with gentleness, and then he says why, so that God may grant them repentance mm. yeah. and the knowledge of the truth. That's good. And I think that's really, really important uh, mm-hmm. for us to remember. Mm-hmm. I think so. One of the verses that I have constantly battled to live up to, and I never will live up to this perfectly, but I think about it a lot, is, is John one fourteen, where it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the biggest mistakes I see people make <clears throat> with apologetics is when they're all grace and no truth. And that'd be you know, progressive Christianity or whatever, or they're all truth with no grace. And that's when I see a lot of Christians who, who know doctrine, but then they adopt the tactics of the world mm. and they name call back and they own people back. And, and I think if we're following Jesus, being full of grace and truth is kind of a, a barometer for how we're supposed to approach ministry and mm-hmm. approach apologetics. And, and, and that is something, man, I, I do not have the balance of that I want to. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's the goal is full of grace and truth, those two things together. And we've all seen mistakes made when you have one without the other. And mm-hmm. I think it's easy to have one without the other, to be honest. I think it's difficult to have both of them balancing each other out. Yeah, I <clears throat> when you were saying that I I thought back to um uh Acts 17 where Paul 
is standing there amongst the the people and he he says, um, men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. And as mm-hmm. I pass along, observe the objects of your worship. You know, he, he doesn't call them idols. He calls them objects of worship. Yeah. I perceive kind. that you guys are very religious, Compliments. you know, not yeah. you guys are a bunch of pagans, you know, this kind of thing. There's <laughs> this, there is this grace that he comes in there and he doesn't, he doesn't compromise the truth, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you're right. There is kind of, you know, in, in our world, there might be some that want to just lean heavy on the truth and neglect the gentleness and the respect and those other, those other character components. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know for me, that's what I, I mean, I'm drawn towards the truth aspect, just the way God has made me. Mm-hmm. And then that other stuff is sometimes it gets left out. Um, so I, I mean, we all need to kind of look inside and say, where do I need to um, change in order to better reflect Christ who is full of grace and truth. Yeah. Absolutely. Can I add something on top of that? Yeah. Like this is a really good point too. You guys are so smart. So <laughs> see, you're being gracious you're to us about... right now. Wow. That is awesome. He perceives, really he perceives, awesome. Good example, like, you're John. so much in my mind as you're, <laughs> as you're speaking about this stuff, because like oftentimes I feel like as, as apologists, we can get caught up in the argument mm. and the truth. And we forget about uh, falling in love with Jesus. Mm. You know, uh, you know, we um, we love to we love to debate. We love to to argue. Well, I love to debate. I love to argue. <laughs> mm. I love to use reason. Um, but it, without fostering a a deep appreciation and and love for Christ, um, I'm, I'm I think it'd be, it's more difficult for mm. for us as apologists to approach the conversation yeah. in in a right manner. You know, because when you start to love Christ, you start to love the things that Christ loves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and Christ loves, it goes back to people, you know, and, and he doesn't uh, compromise on truth ever. But, um, but I think above, above all of what we're talking about, it feels like, uh, the, the, we need a proper, uh, love and appreciation for Christ. And that's our motivation. Mm-hmm. And when that's our motivation, I think it helps us uh, navigate a conversation. Uh, appropriately. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, no it does. Right. Yeah, yeah. John, that is exactly where I was going to take this, actually. Yes. Because the question <laughs> If Amy how... thinks it's right, it's right. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the big question here is, how do we become that kind of person, this yeah. kind of person that we're talking about? And here's where I think I see the biggest problem happening among people who are into apologetics, and that is, they're so into thinking about the arguments and the questions and the philosophy, and they kind of lose the balance of actually cultivating a relationship with a person. That's that's what this mm. is all about. We're supposed to know Jesus. We're supposed to spend time with him. Yes. And that's that's why we're doing all of this and being with him. And, and by that, I mean praying and also reading about him, reading the Bible, mm. putting that in its proper place. That is what will shape us, the Holy Spirit will shape us through those things into becoming a person who's more like Jesus. Mm. So it's so tempting to get uh, kind of caught up in all of the philosophy, and then you leave that aside. And then I end up getting emails from people saying, I've, you know, I've lost this desire for apologetics, and Mm. um, now I just have so many questions, and what's happened, and my relationship with Jesus has cooled Mm. Well, that's going to happen with any relationship if you're not spending time in it. That's right. And so we need to be really careful that we are putting that first and keeping that in balance with these other ideas. 
Mm-hmm. No, that's so that's so true. I, I love that. And yeah, our, it's it's that whole knowing facts about my wife versus actually knowing my wife, right? There's a difference between the two. And uh, yeah, it's a relationship with Jesus yeah. that, that really cultivates all of this. Well, hey, guys, this is great. Let's take a quick uh, break and we'll come back and we will talk a little bit more about some tips for budding apologists and what we would suggest they do mm-hmm. as they want to follow the Lord in this endeavor. Thanks for being with us here on Standard Reason. We'll be back after this commercial break. Have you seen our brand new website? Stop by str.org and enjoy a fresh, clean layout with all the same great content. The new Standard Reason website was designed with you in mind. It has an easier-than-ever navigation and a crisp, simple layout so you can find all the sound analysis and careful commentary that you've come to expect from us. Browse new features that make finding your favorite resources easier than ever. As always, it's our goal to equip you, our fellow Christians, with a confidence clear thinking, and courage you need for every encounter you have as a Christian ambassador. Our new website is just one way we're fulfilling that goal, allowing you to access the resources you need in a new and improved way. So visit str.org and keep coming back to discover new podcasts, articles, and videos each and every day. Hey friends, would you like to be encouraged throughout your week with timely, relevant content meant to bolster your knowledge, wisdom, and character? Or maybe you have a desire to be connected with other like-minded Christians from around the world. If so, then you need to follow Stand to Reason on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Not only will you be able to interact with other Stand to Reason followers, but you'll also stay up to date and informed on our latest resources and events. In our current culture, it's important to have something of value to break up your social media feed. So just visit str.org and find the links to all of our social media platforms at the bottom of the homepage. All right, welcome back to Stand to Reason. I am your host, Robbie Lashwa, and I'm here with my amazing fellow apologists, Tim Barnett, John Noyes, and Amy Hall, the illustrious Amy Hall. Can we officially call this STR Roundtable. Sure. Like Knights of the Roundtable? Yeah. 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 I'm, I like that. And okay. you have a roundtable joke. Oh, uh, my kids. Okay, I'll say it really quick because you want me to. You've been I pressuring do. me. You've been shaming me into this. Okay. So my kid, there's, a, there's this kid's joke. And he said, okay, so Tim, um, do yeah. you know who built uh, King Arthur's Roundtable? I don't. Well, it wasn't Sir Lancelot. It was actually Circumference. Oh, Do you like that one? No. (laughs) No, it's a bad dad joke. It's terrible. But that's it. So I'm sorry for that, everyone, but Tim pressured me (laughs) into it. (laughs) Well, hey, let's get into... We thought thought we'd kind of close out this segment Uh talking about... You know, let's pretend there's some 20-year-old kid out there who's, you know... uh, a sophomore, junior in Bible college, they're learning about apologetics. They want to do this. They they mm-hmm. listen to Amy all the time, and they say, "Man, if I could be as smart as Amy and do apologetics full time, what are some practical tips mm-hmm. that we can give them to start implementing now?" Like Greg would say, "How can we? How can they bloom where they're planted now? Mm-hmm. What are things they can start doing? Not looking towards I'm going to have a million followers on YouTube. What can they do now mm-hmm. to be an apologist where they're at?" Yeah. I have two. Oh, yeah, go for it. Uh, one is to study. Mm, nice. Do, do uh, know your stuff, and the second is I would say do your best to find a mentor. Oh, that's mm. good. Find somebody uh, that's further along than you, and try to attach yourself to that person. 
Yeah. And, or if you have goals, um, I want to be an apologist with stand to reason, mm-hmm. you know, try to attach uh, somebody who is yourself, try to attach yourself to somebody who is doing that. Mm-hmm. And then they can help you, hopefully. No, that's good. John, that's, wow. Um, I, I just want to, on a personal note, because I see a lot of young apologists online and some of the stuff they're posting and, and this kind of thing, it, it makes me cringe, okay? Um, and it's partly because of just how the heart, and I can see myself when I was, you know, I'm almost, I'm going to turn 40 this year. Ugh. And I remember when I was in my, in my... <laughs> How old are you, Robbie? I'm going to turn 40 this year. Oh, okay, too. okay. Yeah. Um, and, Long past that. Yeah. And, and you know, in my <laughs> mid-20s and early uh, 30s, um, I see myself when I, when I read some of their, their posts. Yeah. And I honestly can look back and see the impact that Greg Kokel has yes. had on me as an apologist. Yeah. And, I, you know, I was following Greg in this, in this show um, and the website and all that stuff before, and, and it came across absolutely. He was mentoring me from a distance, but of course, you know, coming on staff, having someone who can personally call me up and say, Tim, you know, cut it out. Or, you know, having Amy there to say, you know, Tim, that's too aggressive. No, mm-hmm. that strike that you don't need to say that to make your point. So having people like Amy and Greg and so on, being able like mentoring me, yeah, has has changed me as an apologist for the better, and I think we all absolutely need that. One of the things that I uh, thinking back to that is is one guy who who mentored me. I was in this mentorship group with some other guys from Biola who have the masters in apologetics, mm-hmm. and uh, Clay Jones actually mentored five of us. Wow! And um, you know what? You know what he talked about the whole time. What? Nothing in apologetics. Pornography. Yeah, it was all about character and morality. Wow. He I was never, in one of those two. Yeah, we yeah. never got into apologetics, which I thought, like in your head, you're like, oh, this is going to be great. Yeah. We're going to talk about problem of evil yeah. all the time. Yeah. No, he said, you know, your character matters more wow. than that kind of stuff. And that's the kind of mentorship you need. You need somebody who gets it mm-hmm. and knows, okay, here, here, here's how you need to live your life for the Lord yeah. and cultivate a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I totally agree with that, John. A, a mentor is, is vital, vital. And if you don't have a mentor in your life right now, get one. Right. Like I think about that for myself. Like if you don't have one, you need to get one. Go find one. Yeah. Because you have not arrived. And, and John, going to your first point where you said study, I thought, absolutely. We need to be reading, um, up on the apologetic, the apologetic arguments and all that stuff. Um, also, and I didn't, I did this a little bit later on. I read kind of the apologist first and I was reading, you know, what ex-apologist says about Richard Dawkins and his arguments. Yeah. And and then it was like, no, no, I got to go read Richard Dawkins for myself. Yeah. You know, what is his argument? So don't just look at it from from our side. Go see, read what they say, read their own words in their context and so on and um, and understand it. And I think that will help because there's there's this like kind of confirmation bias. I think that we all have no matter what your worldview is. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways you can kind of minimize that confirmation bias is to is to look at what are the arguments on the other side and reading the other side and from being familiar with it now that's good amy what are some tips you have for budding apologists okay so um you guys have covered a lot i would say and this kind of goes with my earlier point make 
it a priority to read through the Bible at mm. least once a year. Yeah. Especially if you're young, what you need to do is start putting money into that account now and think about how well you're going to know it in 20 years. Mm. And this is more important than ever. It's, it's not even just that it will shape your character and help you to know God better and, and all of that. But also right now, the Bible's under attack. People think the Bible's evil. People have all sorts of arguments against the Bible and we need to understand it. We need to understand the big picture. We need to be able to respond to these theological questions. There are so many theological questions happening right now. Mm -hmm. So don't neglect your Bible. And in, in fact, make it a priority and start reading through it at least once a year. That was the best advice anyone ever gave me back in grad school. And uh, it was uh, Walt Russell. Hmm. And yeah. he said to read through the Bible once yeah. a year and read through the New Testament twice a year. And you can do it more than that. You don't have to, do, <laughs> you don't have to only do it that many mm -hmm. times. But if you make that a goal, just think about where you'll be in 20 years. If you keep, you keep learning more and more about it, that will help your apologetics in incredible mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. No, that's great. No, that's an excellent point. And I think even memorizing scripture, you know, would get thrown into that is because then the Holy Spirit uses that in your life. But Amy, I'm sure like, and I haven't talked to you about this, but I'm imagining, you know, you get these STR ask questions that come in and in your mind, you know, oh, well, it says this in Isaiah about that. And then it says this in Matthew and it says, and you're, you're the Thompson chain reference Bible in your own mind because you've spent time studying God's word. Is that, does that not happen to you guys? It's an amazing thing when you invest time in God's word yeah what he does with it and mm -hmm. how you can respond. I, I, I think that that's excellent. Yeah. W one thing that I struggled with early on and I think is really important. It's easy to look at, you know, it's easy to look at Tim Barnett and John Noyes and Amy Hall and to go, Oh man. So if I want to be a, an apologist, what I need to do is have a YouTube channel and a radio show and mm -hmm. a platform and a cool graphic and some nice intro music. And then I can start doing apologetics. Whereas you just need to go share with people now. Yeah. Like if you're not out there sharing with people, then you're not doing apologetics. Yeah. You're learning a lot of stuff that's good because it'll give mm -hmm. you confidence in your faith. But sometimes, I mean, especially in undergrad, I felt like I was perpetually sharpening a sword that I was never going to use. Mm -hmm. And I don't yeah. think that that's the goal of, of this endeavor. This endeavor yeah. is meant to be ambassadors for Christ, yeah. which means talking with other people. So that's that's my tip. Yeah, so just what you're saying is just go do it. Go don't, do it. Don't wait. If you think, well, I just got to read this book and then I'll be able to do it. Yeah. What's going to happen is you're going to, you're going to find out, Hey, there's a whole lot more things you don't know. And then you have to read another yeah. book and then you have to read another book. And then it's, <laughs> I'm telling you, and I've, I've experienced this where it's almost paralyzing, right? Yeah. Where you yeah. think like, I guess I, I guess I shouldn't say anything ever because there's always something more. There's always going to be the new argument or the new book, or have you read this or have you read that? I mean, every year my book, my bookshelf gets, you know, the stack gets higher and mm -hmm. higher. I have now stopped buying books that I am not going to read. You know, that kind of, because yeah. it's like, look at, if I'm not, if I don't have time for it, it's going to stay in Amazon. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't show up in my house until I can read the thing. All right. Um, and so, <laughs> so this is just because I, again, it becomes for me psychologically overwhelming to see a stack of 20 books where do I even start? You yeah. know, if I have one there, I can pick that up and I can bring it with me on my flight to California to record a radio show. You know what I'm saying? Like, when it becomes a whole that, paralysis by analysis and you never get off the bench and you never share right. with anybody. That's right. Which if we have to be perfect before we can share, none of us can share. That's right. 
But Jesus is good and gracious, and he even uses our feeble attempts if, when we are 16 and yeah. now to spread his word and, and share the gospel. That's right. When I was in teacher's <clears throat> college and I was being inundated with questions and challenges, I didn't know anything. And they would ask me a question. And honestly, it was like, I don't know. And then I went home and I'd look for the answer. I'd come back and I would, and I would give the answer. And they'd say, okay, okay that explains that, but what about this? Mm. And I, I don't know. And it was that kind of process. And honestly, that for me, that development was absolutely essential in, in my growth as an apologist and falling in love with, you know, providing answers and, and all that. So, um, that, that was, that's a great, um, piece of advice. Just, just do it. So let me recap these, these, these points you guys have made. We said, John, you said study and know your stuff. And then, and then Tim, you added to that a little bit about how we need to read the other side. We mm-hmm. can't just read our side about the other side, yeah. but we should go read the atheist. We should read the book of Mormon. We should read the Quran, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> finding a mentor, somebody who's further along than you spiritually, mm-hmm. who can, who can pull you up, who can guide you. We all need a Paul, right? In mm-hmm. our life. We need somebody who's there. Uh, we also need to make it a priority to read through the Bible regularly. Mm-hmm. Amy, I love that. That is so, and it sounds like such a no brainer and it's so simple. It's, it's Sunday school 101. But when I don't do it, yeah. I am not in the right space to to do apologetics well. It's just the truth. So I I love that. Read your Bible, pray every day, yeah, and you'll grow, grow, grow. That's okay. good. Do you guys oh yeah, do you guys, good, yeah. Do you guys remember that song? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah we sang That's that. Good. Can school. I add one? Or <laughs> yeah, are we done? Yeah, you can add one. We got about a minute left. Yeah, go to church. Less. <clears throat> go to church. Okay. Yeah. Amen. Number oh, five. I had that get on my list. In your local church. Like, Amen. Serve at you your local church. If you want to be a church. Christian apologist, be a Christian apologist in your local church. Amen. Amen. Never, Amen. never lose your love in, in, for, the, in, uh, for the local church, ever. Yeah. I love it. Well, guys, thanks so much for taking time today to do this round table. This has been this has been fun. Amy, John, Tim, I appreciate you guys and your insights into this. And hopefully we'll do it again. We should. We should. We definitely should. Well, hey, everyone. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, I'm Robbie Lashua for Stand to Reason, and we hope that you have a great week representing Christ as an ambassador for him.